Hey, I gotta tell you guys about something, and I'm really excited to talk about this because I got a brand new front door lock. And it's not just any lock, it's a Eufy video lock. You might be thinking, what's the big deal, Chael? Well, okay, I'm gonna tell you. First off, it is sleek. I mean, it's a very big deal. My father used to build houses. My whole life, I've known how important curb appeal is. I used to be in real estate. When I show somebody a house, the front door is the very first thing you see. This thing is a piece of art. It truly is, and it's such a good looking piece of hardware. It instantly upgraded my front door. I was excited about the functionality. So not only do I get an instant makeover with a piece of art, you now have a different level of protection. It's a smart lock. It's got a 2K camera with audio and doorbell all in one. Most competitors are either just a camera or a smart lock. The Eufy Video Lock has both plus a doorbell and it can all be controlled via an app, which makes things so convenient. I hate when I hear the doorbell ring and I'm comfortable inside. I gotta get up, go to the door, just to find out it's a delivery man who dropped the package and is already long gone. The Eufy Video Lock now allows me to avoid all of that. I can just peek at the app. I can even talk to him or hear him talk back to me. Also, my wife and I travel a lot. It's an added level of security at my front door and it makes me feel a little bit more at ease. It was very easy to install. No, there are no monthly fees for the security video storage. The battery is rechargeable and each charge lasts about four months. The Eufy Lock is fantastic and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. Do that by going to Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you gain complete control of your door. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I spoke to God and he told me of all the men he's created, these two are the best. What's happening guys? Happy Tuesday. And thank you for joining another special episode of your welcome. Man, you guys had a lot of thoughts on what I had to say last week about The Rock's appearance on Joe Rogan. And coming up on today's show, I'm going to talk about one of the most awkward conversations I have ever seen. Plus, I'm going to tell you why Israel Adesanya made the right call to step away. And I'm also going to address some comments made by Henry Cejudo with regards to Tom Aspinall and what Daniel Cormier thinks of all this. I'm going to get to that and more in today's show. We got something breaking. Let's start with this. The PFL has purchased Bellator MMA. And while that might be the world's worst kept secret, it's officially done and it's officially announced. So we're going to have questions right off the bat of what happens with Bellator. We've seen acquisitions in the past that have gone both ways, where a mixed martial arts company has been purchased, but it continues to run 
for X amount of time before it rolls over into one. But we've also seen them purchased, and that was the last event you shut down. Now you've now got a video library, and off you go in the next direction. So when PFL purchased Bellator, we were given through a press release, so not a back and forth, not an interview of a question and answer, but through a press release, many of the main questions that we would have, such as what happens to Bellator, right? And we weren't given the specific details. By example, if you're following Bellator MMA, they're known for doing Grand Prix, which is the term they chose for tournaments, some of which are in the final round, some of which are to the semifinal round. And are those going to continue? Will those be played out until the end? And it would be a, a very interesting ideology for me because the PFL's largest known presentation is of tournament format. So it would seem on one hand that they very much, they believe in tournaments, they understand tournaments, and they're going to see the tournament through. On the other hand... I would want to know if they're willing to take that stance just to finish something out, or if they would look at it and say, well, our way we do tournaments, our system of tournaments is the pinnacle, and therefore under us, we, we can't follow through with your way of tournaments because they're not completely in line. Might seem like a simple question, but for the guys involved, they would want to know. One of the things that was stated within this purchase is that or within this press release about this purchase, is that Bellator is going to continue to run as Bellator for 2024. And I read a piece that another journalist that thought he got a hold of this thing real fast, where, where he ran and said that it was stated by Don Davis that Bellator is going to continue to run as Bellator. He's right, but he didn't finish the sentence. I felt, and again, you're open to interpretation, right? I got to give this other journalist a, a little bit of a pass, but I had a different interpretation when it included the year 2024. It, when it seemed to me that you would even need to conclude a date unless that date didn't only represent a start, but also a stop. If this was the way that we plan to do things in the infinite future, a date would not be needed at all. So I interpreted that for one year, for one year, Bellator will run as Bellator. And there was some fantastic statements and claims about the roster, about the power of the roster, about the percentage of top 10 ranked talent that is now under one roof. Fair enough. I don't read the rankings. Even if I did them, I'm not going to sit down and mark and come up with the math. I, I will accept that. As truth, PFL then began to lay out some of the things that they're going to do in the coming seasons. And I, I must admit for you that I got a little bit lost. There was something about a Challenger series. There was something about the elites go on to pay-per-view. There was something about international. And I'm for all these things. Like, I have, a, I have a very open mind. I am wildly curious where they're going to go. I don't attempt to place a judgment for you at this time. But there is something that your messaging becomes important if you can't uphold that messaging. Your messaging doesn't have to be accurate at the time that you make it. Just, just by example. 
but your steps and your actions towards that messaging have got to run in unison with one another. And as soon as anybody can spot a conflict, they're going to bring it and they're going to present it to you and try to use your own words against you. And so even though that messaging wasn't wildly important to you, which is, so if they did bring it, you go, hey, yeah, we, we, we didn't mean that anyway. Just It becomes a little bit of a problem. So let me just use the pay-per-view, for example. The pay-per-view within PFL, which is yet to happen. You have what we believe are two people who could go on the top of a bill of a pay-per-view, which is amongst the most difficult businesses I have personally ever observed. And one of them has never drawn. He has a track record and has not drawn. That would be Francis Ngannou. That's not a backhanded knock to Francis. You're, you're going to be forced, particularly when you're out trying to sell this to other partners, about a star power that you have, and they're going to ask to see what the history is. This is very common in the entertainment business. If I was just to bring you like the way it would work in Hollywood and with actors, it really doesn't matter how skilled, even how nominated or recognized that actor is. Producer writing the check is going to want to see what was the gross of the last movie they made. That's the very first thing that they're going to look to. And what about the one before that? And are we headed in an upward trajectory or not? So within Francis, you're, you're going to run into a problem where you're going to go, no, not. Not a proven, brought him in many times, not a proven drop. But things are different now. Why are things different now? Well, because he went into boxing. That really changed things. Yeah, but we're not doing boxing here. You said you were doing MMA. Yeah, I understand that. But People just want to see this guy fight. Okay, well, who do they want to see him fight? And you just start to run into some of these questions, okay? Could all be worked out. I'm just sharing for you, and then you have Jake Paul. And there's not a third person right now. Even with the com combination of the rosters, there's not a third person who you would reasonably assume is going to headline a pay-per-view event. And the reason I bring that to you is if the overarching message is we're going to have the best of the best and then the premier event after the challengers and the European and the international, all these things, we're then going to have the premier event, which is the pay-per-view. And we've got the purchase and we got the rosters and we got the top 10 guys and we got all of the right talent. We're, we're going to finally give the audience what they want, which is the best versus the best. But I am openly going to tell you that on day one of delivering my message of best versus best for you, I am going to put a guy on top of the bill who has never done the sport before. His name is Jake Paul. Now, all of us expect Jake to go to the top of the bill. All of us are good with that. All of us are look forward to that. All of us would be disappointed if we got the card and he wasn't there. That doesn't change the fact that that's not what was just told to me. What was just told to me is that we're going to have a a whole bunch of events, and we've got a purchase, we've got a roster, and it's deep, and it's thick, and it's got the rated guys, so that we can bring you the best. And in the premiere of all of our events, to showcase who that is, we're going to put a guy who's never done it before. Who isn't ranked anywhere. Who doesn't have any expectation. Haven't even determined what weight class. I don't disagree with those things. I'm sharing for you where I get a little bit lost within some of the confusion. I get a little bit lost why we will continually hear it's going to be best versus best as opposed to the matchups you'd like to see the most. I don't see what's wrong with that. I seem for branding and marketing where you think that you might have a purpose. 
But over the course in the years in the time of MMA, where you look back and hindsight is 2020, there's not anybody that's going to resist stepping aside so that Elon and Zuckerberg could fight. And if they did, it would be the main event. Like nobody would question that. And wouldn't it be about skills or resumes or what have you done before? It would simply be about this is a compelling match. And this is the match that people want to see. And that is what we do. And that is what we promote and we lift and we elevate. And I'll hear from fans, not bright ones, not bright ones, but I will hear from fans. I just want to see the best fight the best. I don't care about the interviews. I don't care about the talk. I don't care about anything. But they would never then watch an event on mute. And they're not attempting to mislead you. They just don't know it themselves. They don't know that that's not actually what they want to see. I'll give an example. Let's say I had the two best guys. I truly had the two best guys, which in MMA, the way it's structured now, there's no way to know. In boxing, the way it's structured now, there's no way to know. You would have to have a competitive architecture where you start with everybody and you whittle your way down in a bracketed format. But let's say I had the two best guys. I had the absolute two best guys. You said, chill. How do you know they're the two best guys? If I come and I tell you, I spoke to God. And he told me, of all the men he's created, these two are the best. You're not going to mark that on your calendar. That's not going to be a must-see event for you. You're not going to get excited. You're not going to have butterflies. You're not going to have anticipation. If you don't have a story that was captured on video so I can bring you trailers and packages and have back and forth and build it, it turns into one of those situations that are glaringly obvious but you're still forced to reconcile it. Vince McMahon did something similar. And when it happened, I would have predicted for you, this is not going to work. And that was Vince McMahon split up his own roster. These are your Raw team. This is your SmackDown team. Here's your Raw champion. Here's your SmackDown champion. Here's the guys that perform live on Mondays. And here's the guys that go on TV on Thursday. And he did it within his own roster. And when he did it, it was believed, at least by me, it was going to be very short-lived. It was an angle. He's going to work an angle. He's going to run it for a while. This is a meaningful amount of time ago. A decade, a decade plus. It worked and it lived. And I never knew how you're going to convince anybody, even an audience that knows we're, we're watching a cooperation as opposed to a competition. How are you going to convince them that there's heat and that there's a battle and that you're actually going to separate these two rosters. Anytime you need a guy from Thursday to go to Monday, you're going to send him. And anytime you need a guy from Monday to Thursday, you're going to send him. It's all under the same roof, but he didn't. Vince didn't do it. And he did create a level of separation. So if you're, if you're holding Bellator events under the PFL arm, if everybody's getting signed, check with the, 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 the same bank account at the top of it, it confuses me. It confuses me. Who, who is it that this brand and this arm is telling us is the best? Is it the PFL champion or is it the Bellator champion? Or then we're going to get them together. We're going to have the Bellator champions fight the PFL champions. Okay, for what? I don't know what they're fighting for. Are they fighting for prestige? Are they fighting for a unification? Are, are they fighting to up their rankings, to up their standing? Who is, who is representing this team and who is the representation of this team? I want to know who gets embarrassed. I want to know who loses. And it's very important 
we've got two things going. We could do an exhibition if you don't ever want to have a loser. You won't reward a winner, but you'll also not have a loser. If you'd like to have an exhibition is one thing that we do here, but we also do competitions. So if we have a competition and we're going to Bellator versus PFL, who loses? What does that loss look like? Does that bring them shame? Does that bring them embarrassment? Let me ask you a question. If the Bellator champions are going to compete with the PFL champions, if, if that's what we're going to do, what happens if Bellator wins? Let's say we do five matches. Well, that's the course of the year all jammed into one night. Doesn't make any difference. You got five Bellator champions against five PFL champions. Okay. Let's say all Bellator champions win. And for the sake of the story, let's even make it dominant. They all finish their opponents. Bellator has clearly shown to be the stronger of the two rosters. Is that true? I mean, is that is that what you're going to feel that Bellator has proved that it was the stronger of the roster? I mean, are, are you going to buy into that? And even if you do, what happens then? Do we keep Bellator around? Do we run it for one more year and they still stay in their lane on this side of the pool? Do we absorb the whole thing? And instead of at the end of the year calling it PFL, do we then call it Bellator? Like, like what happens? What is the competition between the two brands at this point? And there might be answers to every one of those questions. I'm sharing for you from my perspective. These are the things that I was wondering. These were the things that really stood out for me. And I would love to understand. I got to know everything. I'm a very curious guy. I know when the UFC bought Pride, the UFC made a statement. But I also know why they made that statement. So that nothing got in front of it. Which was, we're buying Pride for the fighter contracts. That statement that had nothing to do with the purchase. But that statement was so effective. Not only was it never questioned... All these years later, it's never been questioned. And if you ask people that think there's a smart guy in the room and they happen to remember that that was said somewhere, they will tell you, well, they usually bought pride for the fighter contracts. Rampage Jackson said, and it wasn't very long ago, it was about three years ago, but it wasn't that long ago, that the UFC bought pride. He was one of those guys at pride. He's one of the guys that got into the UFC after that purchase. He told people UFC bought pride to get contracts. Mine was one of them. He believed it. I mean, everybody believes it. It was just largely accepted to miss what was really happening. And I say that because if we're buying contracts, what happens if they lose? What happens within the competition? What is the competition for? Why are we finishing the tournament? Why are we running Bellator for one year? It has to go to a new home. Showtime is out. There's not a distribution arm to that. So if you bring them over and you're you're doing the work and you know the direction you're going in the first place, why extend it? Why wouldn't it be tonight? Why wouldn't it be done? Why wouldn't it be under one roof? Why would I hold this roster versus this roster, but when they fight and they compete and it's done, it's all signed by the same check? I don't have the answers. I'm curious. I'm sharing with you. These are the things that I'm still looking at and I'm still observing. How long are we going to go on telling people that we have the best and therefore we are the best? As though from a business standpoint, that matters. And how many people are we talking to when we say we have the best and we're going to put them against the best? Like there's a massive importance that you go out and say that. 
Not to mention, you've heard that from your greater competitor, so that must be it. But sometimes I do wonder, do, do you understand what statements are? Do you understand what information and moreover misinformation is put out there because you know your competitors are watching? Do you, do you understand the difference or are you one of the guys that fell for the statement which was never meant to be accurate in the first place? And it just always ends up in a, colossally difficult position when at the same time we're fully aware a guy who has never done it named Jake Paul is going to go to the absolute top of the bill. I'm observing and I'm watching. I don't know where you get a ranking. I don't really know what it matters, but I do know that this sport is driven on one thing. Conflict and conflict resolution. That is why everybody tunes in. The people that know the story will look forward to it and have an anticipation, and the people that don't know the story at all that are forced to watch it because they're over somewhere and it just happens to be on. The reason they will watch it and have a level of enjoyment isn't that they like damage or they like bloody noses or they like fistfights. They will understand one very basic element, which is you have conflict and you're going to have resolution all right now. So let's see where this goes. PFL has bought in Bellator. Throughout the year of 2024, Bellator will run as a brand, which I believe that means the events will be called Bellator, and I believe the athletes that are going to compete within that event will be the athletes that are currently under contract. I don't know that Bellator will be signing more athletes would seem as though that would go towards the PFL side. These are questions to be worked out. I look forward to learning, seeing and learning what comes next. I have talked to you guys about online data privacy before. I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to protect your online privacy. I'm on the road a lot, and I often have to connect to hotel and airport internet. But I don't do it without connecting to a VPN, a virtual private network. One of the many benefits of using a VPN is to secure your connection on public Wi-Fi so you can browse in full privacy. Hackers have many methods to steal your data on public hotspots, but with a VPN, your online traffic is invisible to them. Also, government agencies, marketers, and internet service providers all love to track and collect your browsing history, messages, and other private data. This is not a conspiracy theory, it's a fact. The best way to hide your data while online is using NordVPN. I believe privacy is a fundamental right and NordVPN helps to protect that right along with your data as we head into the holiday season. Avoid targeted pricing, fake websites, and bait and switch attacks with a VPN. Shop securely. Knowing your credit card details will be safe from snoopers even on public networks. Grab NordVPN's exclusive deal now at nordvpn.com slash and get extra subscription time. Try it risk-free now with a 30-day money-back guarantee 
at nordvpn.com slash C-H-A-E-L-S-O-N-N-E-N. That's nordvpn.com slash chaelsonic. Thanks to NordVPN for sponsoring our show. of questions on a video I made earlier in the week. It had to do with the most awkward of conversations between a fake Joe Rogan pretending he was happy to have The Rock in studio and a fake The Rock pretending he was happy for Joe Rogan. It was it was just these two incredible hours of awkwardness between two guys that weren't great at hiding the awkwardness. And I want to bring that to you I have to do things that I don't want to do as well. I think we all understand that to a degree. But what was so unique about it is neither of them wanted to bring up what was awkward, and it just seems like it'd be helpful. If I'm doing an interview and I'm bringing it to you guys, the exchange here is I'm going to make it as entertaining as I can. You're going to give up your time and give it a shot to see if it was entertaining. That is the exchange. That that is our, our exchange. Whatever business goes on, whatever I can charge, whatever I can get for it, I'm not going to charge you. So that's my business. Keep it to myself. We have a deal, though. And Joe Rogan, who is the biggest podcast on earth, versus The Rock, who's the biggest star in Hollywood, having a beef that they're electing to settle would seem to be one of the great topics out there. And there was hurt feelings, and there should have been. And there was a conversation that needed to be had. And they had it in front of us. But they didn't bring the subject matter. I made a piece on this. I told you how awkward it was to watch these two famous, successful, rich men pretending to be happy for the other one's fame, success, and richness. And... When Joe Rogan was at his absolute lowest and they tried to cancel him, which isn't so much a thing anymore. I haven't heard quite as much about that, but it was red hot at that time. And they came for him. Some very calculated and organized groups with massive funding. That part of the story has never even come out for you guys. You think it was just some random person brought this up and got it on the internet and it went viral. It wasn't that at all. It was an extremely calculated effort. And the reasons behind it we're wildly political. And this this is okay, but that's powerful stuff. Politics and money, these are powerful things. This is little Joe Rogan. And they came to cancel him. All of his efforts and all of his hard works and all of his contributions and everything he's done and everything he's built. And there's a coordinated effort to take it away. That's tough. Can we agree? That's a tough moment. And in that moment, the biggest star in Hollywood, The Rock piled on. Joe Rogan was being called amongst the worst things that a man can be called a racist. They are calling his character into question. And if they succeed in canceling him, that will be an interpretation throughout time that he was in fact a racist and his character will be diminished forevermore. There's no running it back. No bringing it back later and saying, hey, we were a little strong on him. It's not the way that works. And 
The Rock did not use the R word, in all fairness. He did not call him a racist, but he, he called him a racist. There's no, no two ways about it. Be a man about it. He called him a racist. And he tried to cancel him. Joe took his little notes, right? If you follow, if you follow this story, even from a distance, you know he's given receipts, and he'll mention a comment here and there about the Rock being on steroids, and never reference that I bring this up because of what he did to me, and he tried to ruin my whole career, and I'm just giving him a quick zinger. Never do that, but there are little receipts over time, and there is something fundamentally different about the way that Joe Rogan approached it, which was the truth, and without a denial, and a correction or attempted correction of his past that won't happen again in exchange for you understanding the different context. There was nothing that was dishonest about what Joe did. But what Joe was saying The Rock did, which is steroids, is something The Rock has denied. His father denied. His uncles denied. The whole family's died. It's, it's one of those things, you know, we don't touch boys. It's, like, it's just something that, like, they all, but, but, and it wouldn't be overly big deal. In all fairness, it wouldn't be that big of a deal if you weren't out there telling people about nutrition and telling people about your diet, and telling people about your workouts. As soon as you start doing that and trying to influence and motivate and bring people along the journey, but you lie to them about the journey, right? I mean, it's liver king. You're liver king all over again. It's the exact same thing. You just worked out and you did some movies and you made some cartoons and you went and hit a dropkick every now and then, and didn't touch on that, right? We're, we're not in the same debate. And I'm just sharing for you, that is an interesting and hot topic. This isn't criminal. This isn't rounds to be canceled. Really not even giving Rock a hard time. Telling you guys specifically what happened. The Rock took a shot at Joe, which could have canceled and ruined and ended Joe and his family name forever. And then The Rock came and joined Joe. Now, whether they succeeded in their mission to cancel him or not, nothing changed. What Joe had done and what people had said had done, like that didn't go away. We didn't find out that that was AI and that was fake and that that didn't happen. Oh my God, how did we get duped? It was none of those things. Nothing changed. It all happened. So if you assess that and you decide that's a racist and nothing has happened, why did you come join his show? If you get to the answer, it's where you get to the apology. Because I don't believe you're a racist. I don't believe any of those things. I never did believe them. It was popular at that time. I got influenced by complete strangers on social media. I wish I would have stayed out of it. And I hope that you forgive me. Boom, we're done. We're done. And now we don't have to go to the other side. Because you don't want to go to the other side. The other side is you're on steroids and you lie about it. The same as your entire family has. It's one of these really weird things. We don't even need to bring that up. But I never lied and you came down on me. You lie constantly. I mean, are you sure that you want to do this? And you came and you joined me. And I can't completely make sense of it, in fairness. The Rock wasn't pushing something. There wasn't some kind of a message or agenda. And, and as well as Joe does, and as big of a star as The Rock is, Joe is audited, and he's audited publicly. You can go look at his numbers. That, that's not going to do any better or bigger than something else. It's not, it's not going to do meaningfully more because this was a bigger star. than it, It's not. But it could have. You could have gone out and you could have done a course of business, but you'd have to have two guys that are willing to come and talk about what our problem is, not acting and making believe 
that I don't know that you accuse me of steroids. Well, here I am. Do you want to have the conversation? No, I definitely don't because you know enough about steroids to marry. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to get me and I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this lie to the grave. Okay, should we talk about when you try to get me canceled? This very show, you should sort of come off of the air and should never come back because it's ran by a racist. Should, should we do that? No, I don't want to do that either. All right. I don't want to be a man here and fess up to the things that I've done. I don't want to be a man and be called out. I don't want to do any of those things. I want to put on cool clothes and I want to walk out and I want everybody to like me. I don't want to have to address actual things. The problem with coming here is you have made a living and you know and you are known for being a man and addressing actual tough things. So I get to be a coward today, but only if you let me be a coward today. And that's what they did for two hours and 40 minutes. Has arrived, you may all be seated. Court is in session. Now, we've got the prosecution, we've got the defense, we've got two different sides. Let's begin with that of Henry Cejudo. Speaking on Tom Aspinall, saying, You should not have tears of joy over an interim belt. Save those tears and save that joy for when you have the real belt. They might as well dip that belt of yours in silver or in bronze. Because it's not the gold belt. All right. Daniel Cormier, quick to the defense. Hey, Henry, I like you. You're wrong. Tom should be celebrating. It is an achievement, and he's got the right to feel that same honor and pride. Okay. Make sure that you, the audience, before you form an opinion of who's right between Daniel and Henry, before you do that, make sure you understand neither one of them was speaking about Tom. Henry did not just describe Tom Aspinall. Henry, from his stance of that's not the real belt, you don't have the right to feel that feeling. You don't have the right to feel this happiness. You don't have the right to feel that joy over that belt, is speaking about himself. Henry Cejudo is truly the greatest combat athlete of all time. They love to say that he was a double champ because he did it in two different weight classes, but he did it in three different weight classes. The Olympic Games was at yet a different weight class, just so you understand. Youngest champion ever, Henry Cejudo. Comes to the UFC, champion. Changes weight classes in the UFC, champion. So, the way that a belt and the way that prize and what that's going to mean to him, that gets watered down. That gets watered down heavily if they start holding the Olympic Games every seven days. I mean, you see where that's going to be different? He's going, wait a minute. Wait a minute, you're doing this every seven. When I did it, it was, it was every four years. It was harder. It meant, it meant more. Henry would, of course, be right. To win a UFC championship when everybody is active and everybody is busy and you take the hard road and you get all the way to the top, beating the guy that nobody else could beat who was ranked number one in the world pound for pound at the time, that's what Henry did. 
So that belt and what went into it, the disappointments, the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, if somebody else is going to have on their mantle and on their resume, who ultimately on paper and on paper alone could someday go head to head with his accomplishments, he's going to want those accomplishments to have been as equally difficult and trying as the ones that he accomplished were. So he was talking about himself in that situation. Daniel telling Henry he's wrong about Tom. Daniel got put into a colossally odd position, but it wasn't his fault. He did nothing wrong. Daniel fought John Jones, and Daniel brought the belt. Talking about part two, he brought the belt. He was the champion. It was a championship fight, but Daniel brought the belt. John left with the belt. While Daniel was hanging his head and feeling the blues of not only losing that match, but taking that title away from him. He gets a phone call. Daniel gets a phone call. John Jones has failed another drug test. Your match is a no contest. You are still the champion of the world. And that is how sport is done. On a number of different levels and a number of different champions that you know and recognize to this day, what you either didn't know or you have forgotten is that in the championship match, they were defeated. But an irregularity happened, a no contest was ruled, and they then were elevated. In this case, we're talking about to a championship, but there's other guys that were elevated to Olympic gold medalists. So everything was done and everything was right. But Daniel's belt of being on vacation and being depressed because you lost a belt and you get one phone call that changes everything. Not a single punch was thrown. Not a kick was thrown. Not a takedown was scored. And people went and they put an asterisk by it. And John sat on suspension. So Daniel was the champion of the world and he was the number one ranked guy. He's out there defending. He's doing his thing. And every time he reads an interview or hears anybody discussing his weight class, they'll talk about him as champion, but they won't stop there. And they'll say, well, you know, because John Jones is out. And there was an asterisk. And it was terrible. It was terribly unfair. So it really just matters who you're talking to. Like, if you guys think you're going to settle this and you're going to either go with Henry's side or Daniel's side, based on the happiness that Tom should have. Like, like before you do that, make sure you understand who it is you're talking to. What if you ask, you think that Tom's belt doesn't matter? Is that the conclusion you've come to? Okay, great. Go ask Sergey Pavlich how much he'd like to have it. Go ask Sergey Pavlich if life would be different, his mood and attitude, his self-pride, the family's pride, the gym and the coaches. Ask him if that pride would feel different if they had that belt, which means he would have beaten Tom Aspinall. I mean, it doesn't feel like an event that didn't matter. It didn't feel like an event that didn't count based on who you're speaking to, right? So an interesting conversation, and it got a little bit ugly. I thought Henry's hands were clean. I thought Henry, for coming out and making his point and being the one to say something, not to, to mention he's ultimately offering a defense to John Jones, who is one of his pupils goes out there and trains and gets guidance from Henry. I thought ultimately he was defending his guy, whether he ever said John's name or not. That's how I felt. But you're also going to hear from Daniel that goes, hey man, a belt is a belt and the rules are the rules and you don't set them and you don't make them, but neither did anybody else. 
That is all chosen. That is all done behind the scenes. You take the opportunities you can get when you can get them. You win the matches. You can win when you can win them. And if those matches turn into victories, turn into accomplishments, turn into titles, then those are yours and should be recognized at face value and without a caveat. That seems fair and that seems reasonable. But I want to know what you think. decision to take a break is looking better and better with time. The one thing that we don't know is why. We don't actually know why. And make sure that you understand this, okay? You will never be done with the sport, but one day you'll wake up and the sport will be done with you. You will never be done with the business, but one day you'll wake up and the business is done with you. Like, there's not actors out there that pursue this and reach the heights that one day decide they don't want to act anymore. The fan base goes, the revenues go, the box office trust goes, the competition gets hotter, and all of a sudden they're just not getting those roles. It's not that they're turning them down like they like to tell you in interviews. They're not being offered them. You've got a very famous actor. How come you've done a, run a project? Man, you know, I just haven't seen anything that I like, and I'm focusing on my family. You'll give answers. That tr- I, no one wants to hire me. I'm doing nothing different. I got the same name. I got the same quote. I do the same thing that I've always done. I even do it in the same clothing. Everything's this. I have not changed. But the industry changed. I'm not done with the industry, but the industry's done with me. And sport is one of those things that for sure happens. But in a team sport, you can blend in. In a team sport, you can stick around and go from the field to the sideline. It's one of these things where there's still a spot and there's still, as you're going through that adjustment phase, when you're in one-on-one combat in front of the world, there's nowhere to hide. There's not an injury or a fake injury. There's not the idea of an injury and or a made-up injury that you could hide in a jersey. For example, it's not a matter of I haven't slowed down. It's not a matter of I haven't gotten faster. It's seen. It's right there. The evidence is right in front of the world. There's no way around it. And when most fighters reach the point where that chamber is now empty, it's nothing that you can see. Most. I understand that on many, you can. And you can identify it. But for most, you can't. So now you got a trainer, he's scratching his head, and he decides that you were tired, or he decides that your hands didn't look good, and you got to focus on this, right? You try to break it down with some type of sophistication. And the athlete is never going to tell you the truth. He's going to keep the truth to himself because he doesn't want it to be true. And he also thinks that if he goes and deals with it, he can fix the truth, which is, this isn't physical, it's mental. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to do it as much. And this is very much the want business. From a competitive standpoint, when you talk about effort, when you talk about grit, when you talk about uh, heart, these are all beautiful words that all mean want. Does he want to go out there with one eye swollen, he's down around, and there's 10 minutes to go against a younger and faster guy? Does he want to keep on doing that? Does he want to do what is necessary to be successful in this match? Does he want to run every morning at 5 a.m.? Does he want to go to practice every day at 3 o'clock? Does he want to sleep right, eat right, 
have distractions, say no, turn things down, sacrifice. Does he want to do that? Okay, he, he does still want to do it. Well, does he want to do it as much as he used to? And that's where the game starts to come in. Because a lot of times you go, yeah, I, I do want to do it. I don't want to do it for 25 minutes, but I could keep that want for 15. Well, your main event in your title fight is going to be 25. Well, this isn't going to work for me. Or I, I, I do still want it. I want it for nine minutes. Okay, well, the competition is 15. I mean, do you, do you start to see where the problem comes in? And very few fighters can identify that. And they don't ever need to identify it for you, the audience. They don't ever need to come out and tell you, I don't want this. I'm not the same. I'm not as hungry. They don't ever need to do that. But if they can do it inside, and it, it, it is a situation when this happens within the sport, that it will appear instant. It will appear in the snap of a fingers, and that guy will not look like you've ever seen him look before. And you won't quite be able to break it down. You might even give the credit to the opponent. You might be looking in the wrong direction. But inside was an effort issue, and the effort comes down to want. You'll hear a million times that a rich man can't fight. It's hard to get a rich guy to do it. And this has been the whole downfall of Conor McGregor. Like you, you'll hear all of these different things. There's a truth to a lot of that. Maybe that is why you wanted it. Money's a very good motivation. But when you get to the point where you don't want it, and only you knew that, what do you do? Because what most fighters do is they keep on walking out there. They try, try again. They hope inside. They know what it is. They don't tell anybody, but they hope inside. They hope to God in heaven above. That when that Saturday comes, because they'll go through, they'll go through peaks and balances. Like you, you'll go ten years where you want it, you every day for ten years, and then you go for a few years where you want it most days. And as long as the competition happens to fall on one of those days, we're good. But then you get where you want it a couple of days a week, and the other five is a little bit in between. So now that game of hoping the competition falls on one of those days outside of your control, you have no idea. You have no idea when it's going to come or where it's going to come or why it's going to leave and when it's going to leave. You have no idea. So you sign the contract and you go through the camp and you just hope the competition falls on one of those days where you want to do it. And it just becomes fewer and further between. So the athlete will generally keep on doing it. He will keep on signing up and he will keep on fighting. He will keep on looking awful. But it's not a physical issue. There's no trainer that can fix it. There's no motivation that can fix it. It's something inside. And a lot of times, it come, I always give the example of it's like a gun and you fire your last bullet. You, you can offer a different example if you, if you want. But no matter how good the gun, no matter how sharp, no matter the power, no matter how well you took care of it, how oiled it is, when it fires its last bullet, it can't fire anymore. You can polish it and you can love it and you can watch it and you think it's a bigger and scarier gun than another gun. If one has a bullet and one doesn't, you see the difference. And I don't I, I don't tell you that Izzy reached that point. I don't do that. But I suggest, I mean, I suggest, I suggest that that's blatantly obvious. They want to give a guy a world title fight, he is passing on it. They want to give a, a guy a match and book him and he's saying no. But I think that it's responsible of Izzy. Because there is ways to refine that. There is ways to get it back. But the way that is done by every athlete who goes out there and then takes five and six and seven in a row and is begging Dana behind the scenes, keep me booked, just give me one more, number eight, boss, number nine, boss. I can get this right. I can write the ship. The, the guy that does that, it never comes back. It never comes back by pushing through it. Most things in life do. Most things, that's what fight actually gives you. It shows you get up and go again. Go again and go harder. If harder doesn't work, go again, but go smarter. You change it, you keep on trying. Most things, 
this side, the mental and the want, does not come back by pushing through it. There's only one way to get it back, which is to stop doing it. You take it away and you stop doing it. There's a number of relationships that have worked out to this day. They got kids and they got grandkids. But if they traced it back, it came to that. We stopped. We took a break. Made the heart grow fonder. They got back together and the rest was history. Happens very often in relationships. But the relationship between you and will and desire can only come back if you remove yourself completely. You're not guaranteed it will come back. And the risk when you remove yourself is now the physical side that wasn't a problem becomes a physical side. You don't stay as sharp. You don't stay as hard, right? It's, it's this really interesting balance. So we're becoming a champion. Everything's got to come together at the same time. But I think Izzy's doing the right thing. And Izzy hasn't told us what I just said. Izzy hasn't told us anything. For all we know, he's got an injury he doesn't want to talk about. My only point to bring up the injury, we don't know what it is. I'm an outsider. I'm looking at going, okay, what's going on here? And... I know that Izzy personally had a massive motivation for a massive amount of time. He had a boogie monster in the closet that was keeping him up and kept on driving him. His name was Alex Piera. And when Izzy got over that hump of Piera, there's many times in his life, okay, I figured everything out. Everything is solved. Everything that I've been chasing, everything that I've been working, the one guy that I'm focused on, I just put him down and I put him out. I have fixed my life. I'm done. But it didn't work that way. He got another contract. He's face-to-face -face with Duplessis. Okay, great. Izzy has got to have a reason to want to fight the guy. He doesn't just show up and fight. It's never worked that way with him. He has got to have a reason. He's got to have conflict, and he will find it somewhere. And he found it. He found it with a white man from Africa claiming he was more African than the black man from Africa. And it pissed him off, right or wrong, but it did. And then they took that one from him. And they brought in a guy that was ranked number six, who had lost to the guy that Izzy just beat. They brought in a guy that was number six, which is outside the normal rankings for a number one contender, which is top five. They brought in a guy that Adesanya had never considered having to fight, and he didn't have a problem with him, and he didn't build a problem with him, and he couldn't manufacture a problem with him, because they hadn't laid in bed at night thinking about the guy. It was a surprise. It was a change. It was last minute. The show must go on. There was a lot of things that went into it that took Izzy off of the game that Izzy used to playing. And when you watched him within that fight, it was 100% in the realm that he likes to fight, which was stand-up, and you couldn't quite figure out what was different. You can't quite figure out what's going to be different next time. And you can't quite figure out why Izzy isn't calling him out, because that didn't look like Izzy, it seems like. Just get a clear head, realize what we're getting into, go out there and beat him five rounds straight. It's what it would seem, but there's something that isn't being revealed. Something that only he knows. And I would think by looking at it, I would think by the compliments that he's given to Piera, I would think that at some point after knocking out Piera, he exhaled for the first time. For the first time in his entire mixed martial arts career, he was able to relax. And once you relax, it's a very tough way to come back, to ever come back. And the only way you can ever hope to replace that desire is to remove yourself completely, which for now, he's done. Cosmo Chamayev tweeted, 
Dana White let me finish him. And it was a picture of Alex Piera, and I just don't know what it means. I, I don't know where that's coming from. Let me finish him. I think I know what it finishes. I, what just happened here? Chemayev just called out Piera. Is that what just happened here? Why? What does it mean? Is there any kind of history between those two? I've never heard of it. Alex Piera has never had heat, at least that he's let us know with opponents that he has competed with, right? We're, like, we're well aware of the Piera Adesanya backstory, but Piera didn't use that backstory. Here, let me do this. Why is Chemayev, who's very hard to get to do media, it's very rare that he gets to do media, why is he asking Dana if he can be a number one contender for a world championship? When we've been told Chemayev is the number one contender for the world championship. We were told in no uncertain terms that Chemayev, should he beat Kamar Usman, will become the number one contender and fight Sean Strickland. That did not happen. Strickland got a quick turnaround. He's going to go with Duplisi. That's just over a month away. There were rumors that came out that Chemayev had broken his hand within the fight with Kamar Usman and therefore could not go on. None of those were confirmed. Nobody actually has that piece of information. There's other rumors that Chemayev has travel restrictions. None of that would change and be a new piece of information, right? And it was said that he would be fighting for a number one contender for the world championship. That he's now earned a number one contender. He will fight for the world championship. That was never addressed. And Jemiah came out through Twitter and said that he would like to finish Alex Piera. Now, if that is a personal beef, I'm all for it. If that's a competitive standpoint, I'd like to be told. If you're a number one contender and you're one fight away from having your dreams come true, you'd be wrong to believe that you have your choice of weight classes, but if that is what you believe, and you have now identified that you think Piera is an easier fight than Strickland, I would listen and I'm all for it. I would still like some closure, and I would like paid put to the idea that you're a number one contender who's going to fight Strickland. Like, I know that there's a belief within our industry, and believe me, I hear it from you guys in the comment section how he broke his hand. You may well be right. I will concede to you that something happened, which would lend to the idea of the rumor that you heard of the broken hand is, in fact, right. I'm just sharing with you on the top of that, I've never had this confirmed. Jamal Hill rolled his ankle playing a basketball game. That's a lot of details for me to have, considering I wasn't there, but I know him. John Jones tore a pectoral muscle and had surgery within one week of that happening. Is now on the mend. That's a lot of details to have. I wasn't there, but I know him. Shall I go back to Yuri Prohaska's injury? I mean, how far do you want to go? And I don't know any on Chemayev other than you guys continually saying because you heard somewhere that he broke his hand against Kamar Uzma. Well, apparently that's not slowing him down from fighting Piera. I'm only proposing and suggesting I don't understand what this call-out was about. I don't know if it was just about media and getting press. I don't know that Chemayev didn't have his eyes locked fully on Piera and or Adesanya as soon as he started coming into the middleweight division. 
So now all of a sudden he works his way to the top and these two guys are gone. He doesn't have the same allure. It's not the same luster. I was the one that was going to bring down these big scary goats. I'm the one that should have been the head of these cards. I'm the one that should have been your top draw. Like I would understand that from a motivational standpoint. Is that what this is? Between Izzy and Piero, the two guys that were at top of the division, as Jemayev is flirting with the idea, claiming that he can beat anybody, Izzy appears to be off the shelf for now, and Pierre appears to be out of the weight class. Therefore, Jemayev is going to chase him to the that weight class. I love the story. I'm for it. I'm completely in. I wasn't told any of those things. Am I even right? Did that even happen? Is Shemayev letting us know I am no longer a middleweight? No, I don't think so. Like, he, it's, it's a weird enough thing. I'm pretty sure he's a middleweight. And, okay, but he kind of is letting us know because he's calling for a different division. Should I ignore the fact that he's calling for that weight class? Does that have nothing to do with the story? Okay, fair enough. He's got heat with Strickland that was promised to not only him but to us. Does he not feel that way? Does he not care that he was told something? Take a risk, do this, hard fight, achieve, get what you want. Does he not care that that rug was pulled out? Was that rug not pulled out? Do I have yet another piece wrong? Does he understand that if he is out, he is hurt, but he does return. When he returns to stand opposite Strickland or Duplessis, does he understand that if Adesanya comes out prior to that, Adesanya will take the fight? Regardless of who wins, if Adesanya offers to take on the winner, be that Strickland or be that Duplessis, it will be Adesanya's fight, which means Jemayev can fight somebody else or he can just keep waiting. Does he know that and or care? Why did he call out Piero? What was that about? Is he healed? Is the hand better? And that was just a, a sign of I'm ready to fight. Is he no longer interested in Sean Strickland? Does he know Sean Strickland busies and Shemayev is free? Was it a sincere call-out? Will he go up to 205 pounds? Has he just announced that he is now a 205-pounder? I, I realize some of these are pretty simple questions, and you're going, no, no, no. But you can't, they can't all be no. They can't all be no, or there was no motivation and or purpose to put the message out. And the message does matter. And a picture is worth a thousand words, and Shemayev included a picture, which is another step. As much as you might think, I'm, I'm overlooking into details here. It's very different when a guy gets hot and he got spotted. He, he tweets something out and sends it to the world. It's very different. It's a very different step to check your spelling in a language you were not native to, have it perfectly, have it perfectly punctuated, and then go another step, which is to capture, move to social media, and upload a picture of Alex Pierre. There was several steps that was put into this all done perfectly in a language that he does not speak fluently. So there was thought that went into this. There was a message. This was not off the cuff. This was not just having fun. This was not silly banter. This was not just setting something down that didn't matter and we shouldn't dig into. There's a lot of things to dig into it, but which of the parts should I leave with? I'm well aware they all can't be true. I'm well aware that Shemayev's not going up to 205 pounds with no backstory and a hand and a body that is perfect to challenge Alex Pierre. I'm well aware of those things. But what part of those, which one of those, which pieces within the statement is accurate? At a minimum, can I take from it, you're okay with not fighting Sean Strickland. You're okay with not having that number one contendership that you earned, that golden ticket still in your possession. At a minimum, would I be right to assume that. 
Because if I'm not right to assume that, then why did you call for anybody that wasn't that? is apparently a pothead. I actually didn't know that. And I, I got to tell you, I, I'd rather I didn't know that. I don't love the way these pot guys that used to hide out behind the barn and know what they were doing was when then they come out giggling, but they wouldn't tell anybody. They'd only tell other drug guys. I don't really love how they're out in the open now and being celebrated. I mean, I got to tell you, they did a great job. They won. They won. They changed the laws. I don't love it. I liked when they went and hid behind the barn and knew what they were doing. It was weird. And I didn't know that about Conor McGregor. I just didn't know. So Snoop Dogg says that he's going to quit smoking dope, which again is weird. It's a private thing. Quit. Don't do it. It's weird. The whole thing is weird. Conor came out and said it's actually really hard to quit smoking dope. So now we got a Conor topic, right? My only point, we got a Conor topic. And, and it is really tough when you have drug addicts. It's it's a really hard thing. And even if the drug addicts have got to co convince the world that it's a medicine, either way, you do not take a drug that can harm you. You don't take a drug that could kill you. You don't take a drug that is illegal. You don't do that. And be a guy that wouldn't take a drug that could make you better. Th there's not a person out there. Right? I mean, there are certain rules to thing, and you guys want to disagree. Like, here, let me just give you one. If you found out your kid was doing cocaine, there is zero part of you, zero, that would believe the kid or even take the time to ask the kid, have you drank alcohol before? You, there's, you, you now have your answer, right? If, if a person is a father and has a child. You would never ask them because you would know full well, you wouldn't have to say, have you kissed somebody before? You would never ask them that. You would have your answer. But it is true that you could be a mother or father of a child and have never kissed somebody. That actually is true. It's true you could have done cocaine and never have had alcohol. It is true, but you would never ask. There's no reasonable person that's going to believe that. You would sound like a fool. I mean, I have to bring that up because we're in the wake of the Conor McGregor and the USADA business, of which I've defended Conor from the beginning. From the beginning, I've defended it. But if you're a dope smoker, of course you're going to take something that will help you. Of course you are. Somebody tells me that they own a gun. I don't ever need to ask them, do you have a knife? It's one of those things. So what did happen with Connor and Usada? Like, Usada was not good at breaking up. That, that was one of the great public mistakes possibly that I've seen. Big companies make mistakes all the time, but to do it so publicly and to have it be your choice, very weird thing to do. And in some ways, Connor came out of that looking a little bit victimized, which he was. You are still confronted with the other side of it that it's very simple paperwork and Connor didn't do it. So you're just left to ask yourself, why?
And there could be an answer that's very simple. Connor, who has an ego like anybody else, letting USADA know I'll do all of your rules, but you don't have a rule that says I have to be back for six months. So I'm going to do all of your rules, but you're not going to make rules up exclusively for me. Now, that would have to be tested. And I've seen media members cite the code within USADA where they get this 180-day business. That's accurate. But there's another code within USADA, and that's the one Connor's deferring to, where that doesn't have to be. That would have to be tested. We found out nobody wanted to test it. They were just going to do it USADA's way. That's what we found out. But I'm suggesting this because before you believe Connor didn't enter the pool because he was dirty, you don't have really strong evidence of that. He went into training camp. He came out to Nevada. He did the ultimate fighter in Nevada. They could have tested him any time, any time they wanted. They could have walked up and tested him. And if he would have refused it, they would have taken his license just like they did Vandalay Silva's. As wildly and disgustingly unfair as that is they did to Vandalay, they could have done the same to Connor. They had the right to test him. He did not have to be in the pool. That is a misunderstanding by you, and you got that from the media that doesn't understand the rule, much like when they listed the subsection that says 180 days for a returning fighter, they left out the other section that Connor's arguing to. Says it can be at discretion. So I'm just wondering why, right? The guy that I defended, and I saw the pictures, and I, I see the problems. I don't have a problem with the truth, which is I didn't enter the pool because I wasn't sure I could pass it. What do you mean you couldn't pass it? Well, I was working on my leg, and you know, you got a cross-reference, and I kind of deferred that over to my management. Feel free to speak to my legal team, but we wanted to make sure that we came in with clean hands. That's very responsible. There'd be nothing about that. That might be hard to explain to the average person, but why would you care if you had to explain it if you're telling the world you're a drug addict like Snoop Dogg? I mean, right? It's one of those things. I'm, I'm going to refuse a drug test, but I, and I don't want to discuss it. I don't want anybody to think that I was on drugs. Hey, guys, guess what? I'm, I'm a drug addict like Snoop Dogg. I don't understand. I won't continue to defend. I can't continue now to tell you that he wasn't on drugs. I can't do that. He's now told the world he does drugs. Fine. Fine. The world will forgive him. (laughs) You guys will forgive. I I understand that I'm alone on this one. I fully do get that. It does seem like a question that somebody would follow up with, though. And you got the return of Conor McGregor coming. And that's another one of these things that's, that's a bit of a mystery. It's going to come back. It's going to come back to MMA. He's going to come back to the UFC. He's going to come back against Michael Chandler. When is he going to come back? And there was talks of UFC 300. Those were allegedly dispelled by his own coach that said, ah, that's what we wanted as well, but now it's looking like summertime. Big show in the summertime called International Fight Week. So a lot of these things are adding up and making sense. And of of the must-see fights for Conor McGregor, you get put in a little bit of a weird position. And if you're doing your must-see fights, you're going to throw Chandler in there. Now, we must see that because it's the right thing to do to Chandler. And you're going to throw Nate Diaz in there because that is a massive fight and they're owed a trilogy. And when you start looking around at these must-haves, these things we got to have for Conor McGregor, you don't find any of them at 155 pounds. And that's okay too. But the, the, the field and the pool that would call out Connor and understand that he's fair game 
to be called out could use the information that we're no longer going at 155 pounds. And that's just something that hasn't been established. The fight about the six months and the debate and USADA, now USADA's got like, it's one of those things that we're just talking about talking. That's okay. That's that's good for headlines. I'll bring you in with that and then I'll get my message to you somewhere out the back door, right? It, it, it's a quick little marketing trick that everybody does. But on the Connor situation where you are trying to worry about dates and you are trying to wonder, you are trying to have something to look forward to, or even if you're Mike or Chandler and you've been spinning your wheels, man, you've cost yourself a small fortune in fights that you've skipped. Three fights, timeline-wise, for a healthy and able and training and in shape and motivated Michael Chandler. Three fights. That's a lot. It's going to be four, and ultimately when he gets in with Connor, if it doesn't get pushed to summer, that'll equal five. That'll be the time frame of five fights all rolling into one. And it's one of these situations where, okay, we've got, we've got to get this out of the way. We just do just to clean the books. We've got to do this. They're not fighting about anything. There was a rivalry and there's an ultimate fighter. There's now not a rivalry and there's not an ultimate fighter, but we said we do it and we just got to do it. There's not a title. There's not a ranking. There's not a contendership. We just got to do it. We just, we got to do it and get it so we can get on to the things we want to get on to. And we can't do any of those until we have a weight class. So for any of you that keep wondering about the Connor and Chandler news and any of you that keep pursuing it and chasing it and asking me to pursue it and chase it, do not ask a question of anybody until you get one question answered up front and first. And it's the first ingredient to every fight that's ever been made, boxing gets included. What weight class are we doing this at? All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. As we approach Thanksgiving, I just want all my loyal listeners to know how much I appreciate you and the fact that you listen to this program every Tuesday and Friday. The team and I at Bad Guy Inc. can't thank you enough. Enjoy the holiday on Thursday, and hopefully you can carve out some time for me again because I will be here with a new episode on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.